Hey, it's Madison, the Black Eagle, and here's a highlight from today's show. Ben Jealous, good morning, has a brand new book out, former NAACP CEO uh, and president. He has a brand new book out titled, Never Forget Our People Were Always Free. And 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 so you you know now this audience buys books so I'm so glad you came on. Um, Thank you. Let me ask Thank you: Is this a political book? Is well, I don't want to say that. It, I mean, is this an about an autobiography? What under what category is is this book uh, <laughs> published? You know, I told them to file it under parables, and they're like, yeah. No. So, <laughs> okay. so it's, I mean, this is a book of history, but and it's always good to be with you, Joe, and something I love to share in too. You know, the, um, what I would say is this, I told stories the way that my grandparents would, you know, which is you start with something that happened to you, but you quickly get in to just old history. Get, you know, give, give, give us an it. example. Give us an example in yeah. the book. Well, you know, what I'm dealing with in the book are, are really the the three big lies about racism. Uh, the, the biggest one being that it's always been this way, so it's always got to be this way. And Charles V, you know, I talk in the book about studying under Charles V. Hamilton. Charles V. Hamilton was the co-author of Black Power. He taught me politics 101, the political science 101 at Columbia. And uh, he made an argument that we should have hope that we will get to a place of racial unity in the struggle, unity across you know, old race lines in the struggle, because in the beginning, there were not slave rebellions, but colonial rebellions. So I get into the history of the, of the rebellions that were happening in the mid-1600s, for example, like the first one in Gloucester, Virginia. And and also into Charles Hamilton's theory that politics was a lot like physics, that for every action there's an equal and opposite reaction, but also that something in motion will return to its original state. And that we tend to forget that the original state of this country, the struggle in this country, wasn't, again, wasn't slave rebellions. It was colonial rebellions. There was 100 years uh, after 1619, but before the color caste system that we all grew up with, this barbaric notion of race as a color caste system. In the beginning, in, in the colonies, race meant what it had been for since the 1100s, Joe, and just, just meant tribe. One of the things, Ben, yesterday I, I, I spoke at, a, at the um, government office of printing, a Martin Luther King celebration. Glad they had it. We had a good time. But one of the notes I made in my speech, and and, and we were talking about King, uh, but is that, and, and you, you might agree or disagree, race is, is not complicated. Uh, uh, agree or, or disagree, and do you address that in, the, in, the, in your uh, book, Never Forget Our People Are Always Free? One of the things I do in this book is I encourage people to complexify their own identity by, by, getting, to get, by getting to know more about where they're actually from. You know, using tools like Ancestry.com and 23andMe, um, 
and the various DNA databases around the world. Right. And it changed my life when I figured out that my grandfather's X chromosome comes from the Lemba people of Sierra Leone. It changed my life, as I talk about in the book, when I figured out that my grandmother's X chromosome was Polynesian by way of slaves from Madagascar. And, uh, and it doesn't shift being black. It just helps to tether you uh, to some other part of the globe uh, and give you the opportunity to learn more about the culture that your people came from. Um, yeah, if we're honest, like not too long ago in the expanse of human history. We in, we both were uh, subject to our dear friend's uh, effort of finding your roots, uh, Skip Gates. Um, yeah. In the book, now, I know in my roots, man, I found out that, you know, I had a, uh, and you know, I had black folk who were loyal to King George the Third. They were loyalists. Uh, ended up in Canada. Uh, I had a, a, a relative, great 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 grandfather. I don't know how many generations removed that fought for uh, uh, General Lee at Gettysburg. Uh, in your book, uh, was there any similar relationships? Man, I figured out that I was cousins to both Dick Cheney and General Lee. <laughs> <laughs> and the whole world, Joe, felt so small. So small. Man, I was kind of... Now, prepared. wait a minute. You are, you are related, DNA-related, to General Lee. Yes. I'm cousins to... I'm, I'm cousins, actually, to Thomas Jefferson and... Robert E. Lee on the same bloodline. Wow. And then on my, that's on my mom's side coming out of Virginia. And then on my father's side, I'm cousins to Dick Cheney and James Taylor, the singer. <laughs> yeah, right. On the same bloodline. <laughs> right. So, you know. Now, now how did that, it, how did that, how did that impact? Yeah. How did that impact you? And, and how did you share that? I mean, so when people read, read, um, read, uh, never forget, what do you want them to take away from it? You know, the way that it impacted me um, was to understand, better understand a bit better. <laughs> it's redundant, but to understand a bit better the hubris of the first generation out of slavery in my family. Because my grandmother's grandfather was 17. The end of the battle, at the end of the Battle of Appomattox, when he walked out of slavery, and uh, and yet, seventeen years later, if you will, he was the leader of the Black Republicans in Virginia. He had run against one of his white cousins in an election and beat him, uh, and he was up against tremendous odds. Six people would be assassinated when he and his slate were in the process of of re election. Um, and you had to wonder where he got all of this from. And part of it, I'm sure, was just surviving slavery itself. But part of it was his awareness. And he had to be aware because he walked out of his uncle's house to freedom. His, he knew that his slave owner was his father's brother. And that man was an outspoken cousin of General Lee. And so part of the hubris had to come from the fact that he knew that he shared bloodlines with the men who had led the state. So you know, why should he be denied, even though he was of a different hue and of a different cause? Mm -hmm. Now, in the book, uh, uh, let's fast forward. 
what aspect of the book addresses where we are in the 20th and 21st century? Well, the the book really um, gets into ultimately why we should have hope. Now, this book was was really propelled by the January 6th attacks. I, I live in the exurbs of D.C. in an area with a lot of Trump flags. Um, I have a lot of neighbors that I'm friends with who voted for Trump. We fish together. We, kids play together. And there was a lot of casual talk about an, an impending civil war. And then suddenly there was a failed coup. And I just knew I needed to write a book to help people contextualize the times that we're in and give us clear understanding about why we should ultimately be hopeful that if that even if we fail to really pull this country back together, that our that our children will. Mm. And so that's that's the purpose of the book. I also frankly wanted to write a book that was so accessible that all these folks whose families are being torn apart, you know, people going down rabbit holes on the internet and all of that. Right. Um, have a book that, that, that they can hand across that divide. The standard I gave myself was that if God willing, Dr. King was still with us. And unfortunately his old jailer from Birmingham had still not figured out why we should all come together across old lines of race and the interests of all of our children, that he could just hand his old jailer my my book and mm-hmm. say, "Hey, brother, why don't you read this?" Yeah, because you, if you, if you, if you are a jailer, you need to be in behind the bars with us. Uh, <laughs> yes, I mean, yeah. Well, I mean, that's what he said. You know, he said, "Look," he said to his jailer, "I give you, wow, you make that little. Oh man, you should join the movement. You should join the What's movement. Yeah, yeah. I brought that up you know, yesterday. This time of year, you know, we celebrate Dr. King, and you, and you know." Joe, what most people forget, which is most people forget Dr. King was not assassinated in the middle of the desegregation battle. Dr. King was assassinated in the middle of the poor people's campaign. Right, right. He was trying to unite the white poor and the black poor and the brown poor and the Native American poor, the Asian American poor, across all of the lines of colonialism. Uh, and what he understood was that racism as we know it was a tool of a colonial system that needed to divide people to conquer them. And that therefore, and this is one of the, the big takeaways of the book, is that one of the other big lies is that racism only hurts black people, it only hurts brown people. That's not true. Racism hurts everybody who is, gets divided by it because the whole purpose was to stop these colonial rebellions. You know, first the colonial society's rulers tried the military to stop these European and African people at the bottom of the economy from rebelling together. That didn't quite work. They tried new laws. That didn't quite work. But when this new definition of race emerges, they turn to the weapon that is culture, and that works much better. Mm-hmm. doesn't stop it completely, but it works much better. And so what Dr. King was trying to tell folks is, it ain't just us who get hurt by racism. It's everybody whose life might be better if we actually were able to come together and insert our and assert our common claim for better pay, for better housing, for a better education for our children. And that manifests itself even to date. Uh, and and I think isn't oh, that thousand percent? And and that's what I, I that's what Trump recognized. It is. It is. It is. You know, Chappelle calls Trump an honest liar, and 
And there's a lot to that. And there's also, I'm sorry to interrupt real quick because of time, but I'm sorry, when you said Chappelle, isn't there an excerpt in your book about you, uh, you had to, you taught Chappelle how to use a gun? How to shoot. How to shoot? Yeah. What was that? That's chapter one. (laughs) That's, what, that would get everybody's attention. Why did he want to learn how to shoot? It was the eve of Y2K. And the evangelical preachers in southwest Ohio, where he lives, for a full year have been preaching about Armageddon and describing it as the race war to end all race wars. And I was like, man, but there's a 99% chance that they're wrong. You know that. He's like, yeah, but there's a 1% chance that they're right. And wouldn't you feel safer if we had a gun? And I was like, but you don't know how to shoot. He's like, you do. So you're going to train all the brothers tonight. So... (laughs) We literally started off our New Year's Eve celebrations in 1990. Oh, well, at least you waited till New Year's Eve to shoot. I, 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 I laughed. Big cornfield. Yeah, right. I, 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 yeah, shot, so. I, I grew up and born and reared in Dayton, Ohio. And I know Yellow Springs very well. Uh, and, and that was Klan territory when we were growing up. I mean, there was, was straight up. Yeah, straight up Klan territory. Yeah, uh, I mean, I mean, it's like, you know, Yellow Springs is a hippie town, but you're three inches outside and you're and you're in the clan. Exactly. You're, you're in the clan too. Yeah, exactly. Well, the book is the book is never forget our people were always free. Now that that's a you know, that's quite that's a quite a controversial title cuz I can see a lot of folks saying, "But boy, come on, Ben jealous. You know, we weren't always free." And your response to them would be, uh, other than read the book, but your response in a nutshell would be. That was exactly what I said to my grandmother. Three of her grandparents had been born in slavery. One of them, her own sister said, was likely a rapist. And what I said to my grandma was, what are you talking about? Who was free? The rapist? Um, but she was she was dying chronologically. She was 103 in good shape, but I knew she wasn't going to live forever, and I needed to figure out what she was talking about. It took DNA. It took history. It took documents. But I think I figured it out, and the answer shocked me, and, and that's in the book. Yeah. All right. Look, I appreciate it, um, and I take it you'll be uh, out on book tour. Uh, Amazon yeah. publisher, publishing, uh, who's the publisher? Publishers HarperCollins. You can find it on Amazon or any local bookstore. You can go to to mahoganybooks.com if you're looking for a black store to buy it from. I did a reading with them last night. I'll be at the Enoch Pratt Library this Saturday in the evening in Baltimore if you want to join. Us. Okay, so that'll be this Saturday evening in Baltimore, but around the country. Uh, just go to, you know, check out Amazon.com or the publisher. And the title of the book by... Uh, been jealous. Uh, n- never forget, our people were always free. And then we'll have to get you back on uh, when y- you get, uh, I guess, uh, sworn in as the new executive uh, director of the Sahara Club. That will be quite a change, won't it? Yeah, man. I'll be the first black person to lead a major green organization, major environmentalist organization in, in the United States. I'm looking forward to it. It's the oldest, largest green group, if you will, in the country. And um, well, we all got to come together if we're going to save our planet. All right. Thank you, Ben Jealous. Appreciate it. God bless.
Appreciate you. All right. Thank you. You can listen to yours truly, Madison, the Black Eagle, live every Monday through Friday on Sirius XM Urban View Channel 126 or anytime on the Sirius XM app.